0: I want to tell you three snapshot memories. So these are real moments from my life that I'm going to just give you a quick picture and then tie it into where we're headed today. So the first one is my daughter Amelia when she's about a year and a half old. I can picture her and she's in this kind of long hallway in our house and I don't remember what she was excited about but she was thoroughly delighted about something and she was doing this like half skip, half dance, like just full body um, exuberance down the hallway and this in my Mind is such a vivid illustration of a place where heart meets body or heart meets hands in terms of the outworking of people. The second uh, moment I'm thinking of is when I was sick, and I've shared before about how I was diagnosed with cancer a few years ago, and I can remember a moment where I was, my mind was racing. As I was thinking about the things that were going to come in terms of treatment, in terms of surgery, I was sitting on the couch in our living room and just so many questions, so many things that were unknown, so full of fear and anxiety, just my mind going crazy, crazy, crazy with all of the things that I didn't know the answer to. And then in that moment... Um, giving my attention to my heart for a minute and the things that I know in the core of who I am that are true about who God is, about who I am and how the truths of my heart settled my mind and reminded me that I don't need to let the thoughts just run, run, run. That when I bring these things into alignment, that it causes it to be different. So that stands out in my mind as an example of heart affecting head. And then the last one is when I was learning to drive. I also remember very distinctly because my mother was terrified when she was sitting beside me and I was learning how to drive. But I had borrowed a driving instruction manual, like a DMV book from a friend, and I had read the whole thing. I'd memorized all the pictures of all the signs and all of this, I had all the knowledge in my head about driving, but when I sat down in our car to drive and I was looking at the actual vehicle, I just remember thinking, what in the world? I don't have the first clue how to start doing this. And and it was a mess <laughs> in, the, in the beginning, but as it goes along and I practiced driving and had the experience of that with my hands and with my body, all of a sudden, it starts to click in a way that actually makes sense in my mind. And so, through the doing, I learned. And that's a place where, as an example, that our hands uh, affect our head teach our head to understand something in a way that didn't work when it was just knowledge, but now makes sense as we move it into our body and into our hands. And there's lots of things that we learn that way. Learn by doing, learn by doing. So it starts to give little pockets of pictures of the places where head, heart, and hands could be, can be one way that we talk about the different pieces of who we are and how we're made And I think that it's in some of the places where these things find crossover that are pretty significant moments in our lives. Things that will stand out, things where we're feeling the fullness of who we are in a different kind of way. And so maybe we'll come back to some more examples of that later. But I also think that it's actually really hard for us to experience the integration of these different things of head, heart, and hands, because much more often we fragment out these pieces of who we are and how we experience life and how we experience faith. And so we think about things in one space of who we are. We feel things in a different space of who we are. We do things in a different space of who we are and we're less practiced. I would say at finding integration, at finding wholeness across these different pieces of who we are. And so we want to spend some time talking about that. We're in week three of our series, Becoming Whole talking tonight about head, heart, and hands. And in week one, Steve did such a lovely, elegant job of talking to us about how we're made in God's image. Last week, Jenny was teaching us about orthodoxy, orthopraxy, orthopathy and the interconnection between those things. And we want to pick up on those themes as we talk tonight about the holistic understanding and working out of who God has created us to be and how we can live into the purposes that he has called us to. So we want to spend a little bit of time talking about these different chunks, and then we're going to get into some scripture in Romans in a few minutes that has things to say about our head, heart, and hands also. But I want to talk about where we potentially get stuck in some of these places, uh, in our culture and in our faith and the way that we live. I want to talk about uh, where maybe there's movement, where we can see how things are shifting in the way that we understand this. And then also a spot where we have a lot of room to grow, I think, collectively. Why don't I just pray for us just for a minute? we'll pause and pray. And then we'll carry on looking at some of those things. Jesus, thanks that you meet us exactly where we are. And thank you that you are the one who has created us. And so you know us completely. And so Jesus, I pray that as we talk about head, heart, and hands today, Lord, that it would just be an avenue. It would be a space where we can understand more of who you have created us to be. Because God, our heart, our desire is to live into the fullness of who you have called us to be into the fullness of the purposes that you have before us. So thank you for how you are in our midst. Pray that you will bring clarity, that you will speak truth as we spend this time together. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So I would say that sometimes, often, we get stuck uh, in the head space. In our Western culture, especially there is an overemphasis on head, on intellect, on academia, on the up here understanding of what is going on. And you say that reflected in all kinds of ways in our culture, in pay structures, in the way that businesses are organized, in the way that we teach our children in the education system, in all kinds of places, we we place this higher value on the head. And we see it reflected in the church, in our church, uh, and in the Western church in general, in a lot of ways where there's a strong emphasis on teaching. There's a strong emphasis on knowledge. And it's not that these things are wrong. They're great, but they're, they're one piece of who we've been created to be by God. They're one part. And when it gets disproportionately um, valued, disproportionately emphasized, things can go awry because we stay in this place where it is stuck in our head and not moving into the wholeness of the rest of who we are, into the wholeness of the rest of our lives, potentially as a problem. So we wanna notice, we just wanna pay attention, pay attention to the culture that we're existing within and how it directs us in that particular way. We wanna notice how we accidentally just go along with this overemphasis on just gaining more and more and more information and not allowing the same kind of emphasis on it sinking into our hearts and on it moving into the fabric of who we are and how we live. I would say culturally and also in our church that there has been some movement towards heart that's new. Like in the last, I don't know, five or 10 years where there's more awareness about how the way that we're feeling affects how healthy we are and how we're living. So a lot of conversation recently on mental health and how when our mental health is not good, it's going to affect our physical health. And there's been more discussion, more conversation about an interconnectedness here and how, when we're feeling badly, we're struggling with deep emotions, that it's going to have a physical impact and a mental impact. So I'd say there's more awareness around that. There's some more learning that has been coming. And then in our church too, I think that we've been trying to create some more space to give room for the things that we're feeling the things that we're feeling in our heart. We want to give space to pay attention to the things that the spirit is speaking. And we want to do it sometimes in a way that doesn't need words. In fact, words are maybe going to get in the way of what we're trying to happen. So to make an open space where there's room to feel, where there's room to sit, in what's happening inside of us. Uh, And I think that we have more uh, room to grow there for sure, but that we've been taking some steps in that direction to try to bring this heart piece more intentionally into how we spend time together. And I would say that the body piece um, is maybe the furthest uh, away for us in in terms of what we're doing, what we're struggling with when we talk about integration. How do we move the things that we're thinking about, the things that we're learning into physical action? How do we experience our faith and our response to Jesus in our physical bodies? It's not something that we do super comfortably and some people more than others, but culturally we're not, we're kind of stationary in our bodies a lot of the time receiving information. And it's always a little bit hilarious to me when we talk about stuff like this and we're doing it in a context where you're listening to me talk and we're sitting here motionless, right? So um, it's real, it's real. And there's nothing wrong. It's just, we wanna notice, we wanna pay attention because then when we're talking about being whole, when we're talking about how do we bring more integration between head, heart and hands, we have to look at the things that we're doing and if it's even gonna allow us the space to move towards that. How do we live into the calling that is upon our lives from Jesus in a way that is reflected, not just in our heads, but moving into the core of who we are in our hearts and moving into the way that we exist and move in the world. This head, heart and hands trio is not something that I thought of in case you were wondering. It is a very common uh, trio of things that are together and used across all different kinds of disciplines. Um, But it's also referenced in scripture in lots of different ways. And so there's some scriptures that I included in the notes when you can find them and see them, or if you're using them for home church or just doing further study on your own. I put some references there that I had found this week that have specific scripture around each of the things: head, heart, and hands, instruction and words about how we engage in faith in these areas. but we're gonna spend our time today looking at Romans chapter 12. So if you wanna turn there with me, if you have your Bibles, we're gonna look uh, at most of the chapter in some chunks and start at verse one. And so just for a quick minute of context, (coughs) excuse me, Paul is writing uh, Romans to the church in Rome and the people receiving the letter, the people that are there in Rome is this multifaceted audience. So you have the actual Romans, pagan people that are living there, not Christians that are still worshiping and following their own gods, a whole bunch of them that they kind of mash together as well as the emperor, as well as whatever other cultures are there. They just absorb it and everything. They just let it coexist. And then you have Jewish communities that are living in Rome, some of whom maybe are interested in the Christian ideas, lots of whom are not. They're trying to figure out how do we just overthrow Rome and get out of here and continue on living into uh, what we believe to be true. And then you have Gentile Christians that are receiving the letter that are also trying to figure out how to live out this new faith that they have said yes to in the middle of a context where nobody is agreeing about what is true where nobody is agreeing about what should come next. And they're asking the questions, how can we live holistically? How can we live authentically? How can we live actionably into these things that we have received and that we have known to be true? So let's read starting in verse one. And so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so we see this invitation that Paul is giving to the church in Rome and that we are receiving as people of God to offer our whole lives in service to what God has called us. Our bodies, our way of thinking, our passions and our drives, the core of who we are, this whole picture of how God has made us to be offered as a living sacrifice, the new thing that Jesus says, this is what I want. I want the whole of who you are because the way that I have for you is so good. And I want you to know that in every piece of your life, in every piece of who you are. And Paul's saying to the church, instead of reacting and responding to this cultural context that's in front of you of disagreement, of dissension, of chaos in all kinds of different directions, your job is to offer your life to God. Don't worry about knowing all the answers about what's going to come next or how it's going to unfold. What you can do is give your attention to God and He will show you what you need to know in order to continue to live holistically for Him. You can trust that God will continue to transform your understanding, change the way you think, and that He will show you more and more of His goodwill, of His way as we respond in obedience to Him. And so we're going to keep reading. Let's look at verses three to five next. Because of the privilege and authority that God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are all many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. And so we start to see some instruction in these next chunks of verses that we're going to look at about if we're giving our whole selves over to the way of Jesus, how is that going to play out then? What what will our demeanor be like? What will our character be like? What What will be the substance of our lives? And the first thing that I see there is that it's going to look like humility. It's going to look like not thinking that we're the ones who have it all together, not thinking like we're the ones who have everything to offer. We don't want to think of ourselves as better than we really are. It doesn't mean we think down on ourselves either. We just want to think of ourselves in humility the way that God sees us. God has designed us with purpose, with an important part to play, but also that we're one part, we're one piece in this puzzle that is the church. And so we give what we have in humility, trusting that God is the one that holds it all together as we offer it to him. The second thing that we see in the next chunk of verses that there also is going to be a demeanor of serving. So we see in verses six through 11, you can look at there, how Paul starts to outline different gifts that are given for doing certain things well. If God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out, in faith, if your gift is serving, serve well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If you're an encourager, be encouraging. If you're giving, give generously and on. And so God has equipped us with an ability to serve and give to other peoples. And so we just wanna notice what is it that we have? What is it that we have? And how do we offer that on behalf of others with a servant's heart, knowing again, that we won't have what everybody needs, that we give what we have as a piece of the puzzle and trust that God will continue to bring it to fruition. And then the last thing that I notice in the last, uh, this last chunk of verses, the rest of the chapter is a demeanor, a heart, a posture of generosity. And so we see there talking about not pretending, not just pretending to love others, but really loving them, giving of our presence to people by loving them well by having genuine affection, by delighting in what's happening, being ready to rejoice with people and to mourn with people when that is what they're experiencing. So a generosity of presence. There's also a generosity of resources that when someone is in need, that we give what we have, that we share what our resources are to be alongside the people that are around us, to have a generous heart with the whole of our lives. And this is what God invites us to. He says, give your whole life to me and let me show you what it looks like to to belong to each other, to belong to each other. That we're not holding back pieces of our presence or pieces of our resources because it is for the whole of God's people, the whole of God's church, and that this is how we live into what God is inviting us to be. The things that we know, and the things that we say we believe should be reflected in the way that we live. And so this this chapter starts to outline for us how we're talking about the transformation of our mind, the transformation of our lives, and that these things should be integrated. We don't wanna keep them separated, saying we believe this in our heads. We want it to move into the core of who we are. We wanna move into how it looks in our lives. So how do we take seriously this invitation upon our lives to be transformed? If our lives, our days, our time, our efforts, the way that we engage with the world looks the same today as it did five years ago, are we being transformed? Are we having the transformative work of Jesus close to us? acting out in our lives? Is that happening? Is it happening? Can we see the ways that he is growing this type of character of humility, of serving, of generosity? Is it increasing in our lives in a way that we can notice? And if it's not, and if it's not, how do we come back to the truth of offering ourselves as a living sacrifice to God, trusting that he is going to continue to do the work to move us in that direction? He is faithful and he is present. And we want to actively allow these truths to impact our lives. So I want to talk about how we can pay attention to this, how we can pay attention to our head, our heart, our hands, and then how we can think about ways of bringing more integration and more wholeness across these different pieces of who we are. And so we talk about the idea of renewing our minds in scripture renewing our minds. We want to notice and pay attention to what is it that we're taking in to our minds because it's good. We need to learn. We need to learn. It's good to have teaching. And even though this is a place where we can get stuck and it's a place that potentially has been overemphasized, it is a good and right place for us to take in learning, to take in different ways of thinking and different Concepts. And the thing I think that's different about that than some of the ways that we think about is that it's not something for us to just solve academically renewing our mind. It's not just more data to be consumed and then our minds are fresh again, (laughs) but instead it's allowing the Holy Spirit to be the one that reveals truth to us in our minds. It's not something that we can achieve on our own through study, through effort, through learning, but instead it creates the space for us to say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, what do you want to show me? What do you want to teach me in my mind? What do you want to grow in my understanding? And it's through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit that our minds are renewed to see things in the way that God invites us to see them. So how are we renewing our minds? How are we making space to hear from God in the way that we think, in the way that we learn? How are we strengthening our hearts? How are we caring for our hearts? And this is a real thing. We live in a broken world, in a broken world. And we know it every day. We know it every day, don't we? The way that we live. And it affects us because we're human. <laughs> because we're human and we're made that way on purpose. And so our hearts are affected. Our hearts are broken a lot of the time. Sometimes our hearts are full of joy and thank goodness for that. But there is so much that affects our hearts that affects the core of who we are. And I think it's really important to have space for Jesus to be with us in the places where we are hurt, in the places where we are broken, in the places where we need his healing in order to be restored and strengthened back to who he has created us to be. How do we make space to care for our heart so that we are in a good place to then help make that space for other people too, to help them meet Jesus in a way that meets them exactly where they are with what they're feeling, with the space and rest and release and healing that they need from Jesus. How do we work out our faith in our bodies? How are we moving and being and existing within the realities of Jesus at work in us? And what does it look like in the midst of our real lives? How does it play out? What's changing in our lives because Jesus is with us. What are we choosing? How do we prioritize? How do we design the fabric of our lives to reflect who we are as God's people? Because sometimes it feels like life just runs away (laughs) on us, but we have so much choice when we can slow down and pay attention and remember what God has called us to. We have so much choice about how we spend our lives. And I wanna spend my life for Jesus in all the ways that I can, but I know that I have to choose it again and again and again, or it will run away, or it will run away on its own. And so how do we say yes again to Jesus being the center of our lives, of Jesus being the one that is moving us to be more and more like Him? And beyond the different pieces in isolation, we wanna think about how they work together. And so from those snapshot examples that I told you at the very beginning about some pockets that were standing out in my mind about head and heart interacting, about heart and hands interacting, I wanna notice these different pieces. And so I sketched out um, a diagram, which then um, our communications team made into something much more lovely, which is great. <laughs> but here you have these different different pieces, right? Our head, our heart, and our hands with arrows going in both directions. And I wonder if you can start to think of some examples where you can think about one one affecting the other. So I was thinking about um, like sometime if I was kind of annoyed at someone, if I was kind of annoyed at someone in my family, for example, (laughs) let's say. (laughs) I know I've someone in my family and it's what I'm feeling, right? I'm feeling agitated. I'm feeling upset. And then what about if I take the posture, if I take the bodily action of serving that person, of doing something kind, of moving myself towards that person, my body teaches my heart and my head how to come back to what I know to be true. And this just happens in every direction. And I think that you can maybe start to notice and think about which one is your starting default. So like, is there a place that you feel more comfortable? Do you feel more comfortable acting out of a place with your hands serving or giving or doing? Do you feel more comfortable acting out of a place of your head, thinking and reading and studying or out of your heart feeling and being moved um, by what is going on inside of you in these different pieces? Because we all have all of them, but we kind of have our, our defaults where we would move to first. And it's good for us to pay attention to that too, because it will create the space for where we can ask Jesus, what are the ways that you want me to take who I am and how you're teaching me and move it into this more full picture of how you have created me to be? How do I do the work of integrating what you're inviting me to into all the pieces of who I am, into all the ways that I engage with the world? And the purpose of all of it of all of the head, heart, and hands, of all of the integration, of all of the instruction is so that we can be showing our love for God and so, so that we can be showing our love for others. And so we see this in the greatest commandments that Jesus talks about in Mark chapter 12, where he's talking about this is the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with the whole of who you are, with the whole of who you are, and to love your neighbor as yourself to love God and to love others. And how do we continually be working to bring this whole picture of all the parts that make up who we are into that reality. So a few suggestions, a few suggestions about what next steps could be, about things that we could try, because we wanna move it beyond talking Even though it's a good start, we want to move it into practice. We want to move it into settling into our core. We want to move it into our physical bodies, our hands and our feet. And so a suggestion about some postures that we could try. This is postures towards God in our relationship with God. This is postures towards each other more than just our minds practicing integration. So the first posture is humility. Just like we saw, they're just verbatim from what we read in the pa- in the passage. So starting with humility, how do we practice a posture of humility towards God and towards each other? And I think it can look like a lot of different things, but a stretch for us might be to actually physically practice a posture of humility before God. We don't do a lot of that. In the western church of bowing down of putting our faces to the floor of acknowledging who god is in worship with our bodies with our bodies to show our humility before them we also don't do that a lot with each other postures of humility physically maybe or with our heart or with our head (laughs) we don't do a lot we don't do a lot of postures of humility But how do we practice this? How do we listen to someone to really hear what they're saying, to really hear what they're saying with an open heart? How do we come to something that we're learning like children who are eager to receive in a posture of humility? How do we approach God in this way? How do we approach each other with humility? How do we approach each other with a heart of servanthood, with a posture of servanthood? Who are we serving in our lives? Who are we serving? Are we serving people that we agree with? Are we serving those who are in opposition to us? Are we serving in places that are seen and recognized? Are we serving in places that are unseen, that are unknown? Who are we serving? How are we using what we have been given? Like we read in these verses, the gifts that we have received from the hand of God, how are we using those on behalf of others? How are we serving? How are we living on behalf of the people around us? And the last posture is one of generosity. I was thinking about this today (laughs) and I was feeling it. How would our lives change if we gave every time we saw a need? Every time we saw a need, if we gave out of a posture of generosity in response to that, how would our lives change? My life would change. My life would change. And we can give in lots of ways. We can give generously in lots of ways. We can give with our finances and our resources, our space, our time, our energy, our presence. How would our lives change if every time we saw a need, we responded by giving of ourselves? This is the way of Jesus. This is the way of Jesus. And we can trust that we will have enough to do that because we are receiving from him. He is the one transforming us into the new person that he has called us to be. And he will give us what we need as we give to the people around us. How would our schedules change if we structured in time and space for other people? Empty space for other people to fill. How would our, how would our schedules change? How would our lives change? How would our conversations shift if they were soaked in patience, in love, in prayer? If we were not just pretending to love others, but really loving them with genuine affection? How would our conversations change? How would our reactions <laughs> to each other change if this is how we were approaching our living sacrifice to Jesus? These are not easy. <laughs> These are not easy things to do. And thank goodness we're never doing it on our own. Jesus equips us. He is with us, but it is God's invitation on our life. I believe it is the work of our lives to live into this fullness of what Jesus has called us to. In addition to some new postures to try, We also have new directions to face. And this is important too, because in order to turn towards these postures of humility, of serving, of generosity, we're gonna have to turn away from the things that will stop us from doing that. We need to turn away from the things that would move us away from God. We need to turn away from the behavior and customs of this world because they don't meet. It doesn't make sense to the world to live in humility, to live in a servant hearted way to live in generosity it doesn't add up with the way that the world functions we have to turn away from the behavior and customs of this world to the way of Jesus to the way that the spirit invites us to and it has to be bold change there's no halfway there's no halfway to do it we need to turn away from the way of sin we need to turn away from things that look like selfish ambition that look like anger that look like pride we need to turn away from them fully so that we can turn toward the way that Jesus has invited us to. It's active, it's intentional, it's ongoing. It's not a one-time turn. (laughs) It's an ongoing choice to look to the direction of light, to look to the direction that Jesus calls us to. Do our lives look like love? Do our lives look like love? Do they look like love for God? Do they look like love for other people? Do they look like love for the people that we don't agree with? Because this is the invitation that Jesus has given to us, I believe. I believe. And in the places that they don't, in the places that they don't, let's give ourselves again, again and again and again as a living sacrifice to God, saying, Jesus, this is, this is what I've got. This is what I've got. The whole of who I am Will you take it again? Will you take it again? Will you transform me from the inside out to be an even greater reflection of your heart as I trust you, as I follow you, as I allow you to renew my mind, strengthen my heart, and work it out in the days that I have? So this week, here are some questions that we can ask ourselves. Here are some questions to return to what the Spirit may be stirring or how He wants to continue to speak to us. As a follower of Jesus, what am I doing for my head? What am I doing for my head? What am I taking in? How am I making space for the Holy Spirit to renew my mind? What am I doing for my heart? How am I making space to care for the heart of who I am so that I am ready to care for others? What am I doing with my hands? What am I doing with my hands? What am I doing in the substance of my days, in my body, in my life to live out the invitation of God? What new posture is God inviting me to practice this week? And what will that actually look like in my life? How will I move it from my head into my hands and into my day? What new direction or what redirection is the spirit calling me to turn to? Where do I need to come back to the good way of Jesus? To the will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. In the last few weeks, in the last few months, there've been so many old, Um, worship songs coming to my mind. I don't know why. It's a hilarious thing. And they're all super cheesy. That's just the truth, but it's great. And I think it is like a comfort food. You know, the songs that we learn as children, they come back. And so all the while, while I was preparing for this um, teaching, the song that was in my head is in him we live and move and have our being, a song. And I'm not going to sing it for you. So if you don't know it, if you don't know it, we'll look it up later. But this is how the words go beyond that. In Him we live and move and have our being. Make a joyful noise. Sing unto the Lord. Tell Him of your love. Dance before Him. Hallelujah. And I love the promise of this song because it's saying when we are living into the fullness of what Jesus invites us to, it will feel like joy. It will feel like celebration. It's gonna feel like abundance and we're gonna have to dance. (laughs) And we're going to have to dance because as we become more and more the fullness of who God has created us to be, it's so good. It's so good that we must celebrate, that we must rejoice, that we must share that with the people around us. And I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't think it means it's going to be rosy all along the way, but it will be good. It will be good. It will hold deep purpose. It will change our lives. It will draw us closer to the one who loves us, to the one who knows us, and to the one who invites us to reflect his heart to the world that we live in. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for the wonderfully intricate and beautiful way that you have created us, Lord. It is too much, it is too much for us to understand. It is too much for us to hold on to, but we know that we don't have to, but we thank you for how you meet us in all the parts of who we are, in our heads, in our hearts, in our hands, that these are places where we come to know you, Jesus, and they're places where we can live into the invitations that you have upon our lives. But Lord, we need your help. We need your help because we get stuck, we get confused, we get overwhelmed, we get distracted, Lord, and so many other things. Even when our desire is to follow you, God, so often we do not know the way to move forward. And so we come to you, Jesus, because you are the way, because you are the place where we are transformed, where we are made new, where we are continually being restored to what you intended for us all along. But we need you to continue to do the work as we walk in obedience in the ways that we know how, as we live into what has been revealed, Jesus saying, yes, again and again. We know and trust that you will faithfully meet us, Lord. And we ask you to continue to be present with us as we walk this out, as we strive to follow in your way. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen. 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 Amen.